welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Brady Ross. He's an author, freelance writer, and an, and an ICF certified professional coach. He lives near Edmond, Edmond, Oklahoma with his wife and two young children. He's passionate about helping unlock new sources of motivation to pursue the goals that matter most to people. He also loves helping people learn how to win at work without sacrificing their personal health and well-being. Very important. Recently, he released his first book, The Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. He also serves as the chapter president for ICF Arkansas and Oklahoma. You can learn more about Brady by visiting his website, bradyross.com, or by listening to his podcast, Motivation for Regular People. Brady, welcome to the show. Hey, Lance. Thanks for having me. And if you're going to listen to the Motivation for Regular People podcast, might I recommend an episode coming out later this month where Lance is my guest of honor. Hey, there you go. Yeah, good plug. A little dual plug. I love that, Brady. Brady, before we get into what you do, tell us how you got here. Are you from a family of entrepreneurs? You know, where does that spirit come from? You know, it's funny. When I was in college almost 10 years ago now, crazy to think that it's been that long, I thought that I was going to do ministry. I thought that I would be mm. a youth pastor and then eventually get into preaching and I did ministry for about five years, realized how hard it is both as a job, but then just to live that sort of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I still think that's very important. You know, I'm a person of faith. I didn't lose my faith in the process of walking away from ministry, but I just realized that with my own gifts and talents and with the kind of family life that I wanted to live, I would be better suited for a different career. And it was kind of, you know, a process of trial and error, figuring out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. But it's led me to today where I do some coaching, I do some writing, I've got the podcast and some content that I'm working on producing. And I think in a lot of ways, it's very eclectic, but I'm also doing what I enjoy. And I'm very passionate about helping people through the things that I do. And so I'm excited to see how it continues to grow and develop over time. Very cool. So then then how exactly did you get into what you do now then today? I mean, was there like a certain point that just pointed you in that direction, you know, a catalyst? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I walked away from church work in 2019. I was fired pretty unexpectedly from oh. the ministry job that I had at the time. And, you know, in ministry, there's always questions like, was there a scandal? Was there any sort of, and, you know, nothing like that happened. I was just told this isn't a good fit and mm -hmm. we want to go a different direction. And it left me at a place where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted a break from ministry, maybe from a time, maybe forever. But I worked for about two years delivering groceries, kind of just stumbled into it. I thought that it would be something that I did in the interim and it ended up for two years being my full-time job. But during that time, I made a friend. We were living in Texas while we were doing ministry. We moved back to Oklahoma after I lost my job. And I made a friend here who one day encouraged me to pursue coaching. He said, I think you should look into this. I think you'd like it. I think you'd be good at it. Uh, kind of a funny aside, he is down the hall from me right now. We share an office space, so maybe he'll hear me talking about him, which means I can't talk too highly about him. Um, but anyways, I looked into coaching at that point and just the more that I learned about it, the more that I learned about what coaching actually was, the more I thought that that might be something that I would enjoy. 
And so I'm about three years into it now. I've got some certifications. I've gotten to even do some coach training with the school where I got my certifications in addition to becoming the president for my local ICF, International Coaching Federation chapter. So I've gotten to have a lot of cool experiences already. At the same time, I feel like I'm still developing or beginning my career as a coach. And so I'm excited for the future. Well, yeah, definitely. So it sounds like if we look at that timeline then, you know, 2019, 20 to 21, 21, delivering groceries, 2021 transition to the coaching career. And so you've been in it for about two years. Is that mm-hmm. about right? Yes. Yeah. So I first learned about coaching in 2020 and then kind of <laughs> dipped my toe in the water, sort of pulled out, wasn't sure if it was for me. And then 2021 kind of dove in head first and was just like, all right, I'm going to give this a try and see what it turns into. That's all, that's amazing. How do you get your first, how did you get your first clients then? So initially when I started working as a coach, I thought that I was going to coach people in ministry. It was Mm -hmm. an easy application because that had been my career before. And I knew people who were still in that world. And over time, I began to realize, although I enjoy working with people in ministry, coaching people within churches can be tough just because financial resources are sometimes tight and you don't always have the money to allocate to something like a professional coach. And so Knowing that, I struggled with who I wanted to coach and what I wanted, because coaching, the kind of coaching that I do is more of a methodology and less about like specific subject matter expertise, but you still have to have something that you're coaching people through. Otherwise, they don't know what they're buying and they don't want to work with you. And so what happened was I have a group of friends that I meet with, we call it our masterminds group. And I go to them one day and I say, I don't know who I'm supposed to coach. Like, I don't know what my niche or my niche should be. And one of the guys in that group asked me just a really simple question. He said, what are you passionate about? And I thought for a couple seconds and I said, if I could coach people around motivation, goals, and habits, I would be ecstatic. Those are the things that I'm passionate about. And so it's led to sort of this new iteration of my coaching business where I'll coach people on anything because again, it's the methodology. It's not necessarily the content, but the things that I'm developing, the podcast, my YouTube channel, things like that are based around developing motivation and building better habits. And so if I had to narrow down my niche to one specific group, that would be it. People who want to build better habits, set goals, unlock their motivation. Very cool. Very, very cool. So when you get a new prospective client then that comes to you, how, how does how does it everything work? I mean, do you have like a questionnaire that they fill out so you understand what they're looking for in terms of when you're going to coach them? Are you is this sort of a dual interviewing process? Yeah. So I think the first thing that has to happen is we have to clarify expectations on both sides of what the coaching relationship is going to look like. I've found that, and this is something that I learned in my coach training program, imagine that you have a toilet at home that is not flushing, or you have a leak in your yard and it's causing water to congregate you know at that moment that you need to hire a plumber. There's not a question about if you could get away with not hiring a plumber or what exactly the plumber would do. The need is very obvious. Coaching is different in that as I bring on clients, I have to do some education up front about what coaching is and the kind of value that it can provide. And a lot of that happens through the discovery process. And then some of that also happens during the intake process when somebody learns enough about coaching to where they decide that it's something that they want to invest in. 
but they still have to clarify what exactly the process is going to look like, what it's like working with a professional coach. And then one of the pieces of the process that I find especially exciting and fun on both sides is getting to decide where the client wants to be by the end of the coaching relationship. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you were going to coach with me, one of the first questions that I would ask you would be, hey, where do you want to be by the time this is done? And so we're not just thinking about where you are today. We're thinking about where you want to be three months, six months down the road, however long that might be. I heard someone say one time that we often overestimate what we can do in the short term, but we grossly underestimate what's possible in the long term. And so it's exciting to help people think about what they could do in three months, six months, one year time. So normally that's one of the first things that happens is we decide, hey, what are you hoping to get out of this? And then how can we create a plan that's going to help you get there? Is there any problems that you've encountered so far that people come to you and they say, and you say, I can't help you? I mean, or do you feel like you just step up to the challenge every time? You know, that's a funny question. So, and I'm going to answer kind of in an indirect way. That's I feel okay. like one of the one of the areas where I've developed as I have gotten more experience as a coach is I don't come into the conversation with this mindset that I have to solve my clients' problems. And I think being obviously a guy, like that's a tendency that we all have is we want to be fixers. We want to solve problems. Coaching in the way that I do it is not so much about solving problems, but it's about developing people along the way. And so maybe when I first started coaching, my natural inclination would be to think, how do I solve this problem? Now, my first thought is, how can I help this person grow and develop as they look for solutions to their problem? And in the coaching world, we call this approach coaching the person and not the problem. And so that's when we start asking questions like, what could change about you that would change your situation? Or how do you want to develop as you attack this issue? And as you talk through those things, you're going to naturally find potential solutions to your problem. But then something more important is also going to happen, which is you're going to stretch, you're going to grow in a way that serves you even outside of that issue or that opportunity that you're trying to address. And so there's things that people will bring to me and I'll think, I don't have personal experience in that. Like I'm coaching someone right now on developing their e-commerce business. I don't have any experience in e-commerce myself, but by using this coaching methodology mm -hmm. and this sort of perspective that I've talked with you about, about coaching the person and not the problem, I feel like I'm able to provide value even without having experience in that particular subject. Yeah, it sounds like exactly that. And that's what I, that's actually, I'm really glad you answered it in direct way, because that's what I, kind of what I was going to, what I was hoping I'd pull out of you was there has to be some formula that you guys are using, like a system of discipline, a system of consistency, kind of maybe this, some of the stuff I talked about when I was on your show. So without giving away too much about what the methodology is, I, I'm curious if, if you could just generally talk about the framework and, and how that can, it sort of is ubiquitous for people in industries that you haven't even had been involved with before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I tell people about what happens in a coaching session, I usually structure it using four words that all start with A. So the first thing that we do is we establish the agreement. We decide what the purpose of the conversation is, what we're going to talk about, what you hope to walk away with. Once we have that firmly and in place, and a big part of that is clarifying expectations, right? So if we have 
that agreement in place, we both mm-hmm. know where the conversation is headed and we know what you're trying to accomplish. The next piece is awareness. And so that's when as the coach, I'll ask you questions, not just about your situation, but about how your values, your perspective in life, your beliefs connect with that situation in a way that's helping you not just think in new ways about the problem, but also about yourself as a person. And so once we do that, we move into the, and I'll say one more thing about that piece as well. Mm -hmm. The purpose of coaching, I believe, is to not help people reiterate thoughts they've already had, but develop new thoughts, make new connections in their brain. And so you're learning as you go through that coaching process so that when you get to that next step, which is the action component of the conversation, you're able to take that new learning and design steps that will help you apply what you've discovered in that conversation. I worked with a mentor coach earlier this year as a part of my certification who told me that if you just have a good conversation where the client learns a lot, but doesn't do anything with what they've learned, that's not actually coaching. And so that action piece is so important because you're helping someone take steps to apply what they've learned. And then the final thing that happens is the accountability piece, which in my opinion, there's a big difference between how can I hold you accountable Mm -hmm. and what can you do to hold yourself accountable? Most people don't want their coach to hold them accountable, although there is a little bit of inherent accountability within the coaching relationship. I still believe though that you can use that coaching conversation to figure out what a client needs to do to create or develop accountability to ensure that they take that action that they want to take. And so that's kind of the overall flow and format of how a coaching session works, at least in the way that I approach it. Yeah, sure. Let's let's say somebody's listening to this show and I'm I'm one of these people, Brady, to be fully transparent, who says, I don't need a business coach. Why do you th- like, can everybody use, or not even a business coach, I just mean a coach in, in, in any kind of capacity, because it sounds like you help people professionally, personally, and it, it sort of starts with the personal stuff, and then it can kind of just go professionally, which makes sense to me, because I think you have to have, it's kind of like Jordan Peterson says, clean your room, then you can criticize the world. Like you have to get yourself in order first, before you go outward, and, and try to like, conquer parts of the world with with business or whatever other kind of endeavor that you're doing. But what would you say to somebody who's skeptical about it that says, I don't need one? I, I, this isn't for me. Like how could, can anybody, I got to assume this benefits almost anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say so. And I would tell that person two things. First of all, go to my website, schedule a free 30 minute coaching session with me. See if you get any sort of value from that time. And I think that you will even just Mm -hmm. in 30 minutes, that would be one thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is I know how coaching works. I know the process of a coaching conversation. I know the questions to ask. I know how you structure that sort of conversation. And yet there's still power for me in having to physically sit aside or sit across from someone and go through this process in real time, answering the questions so that they can hear, so that they can understand. And I take so much more from that time of being with another person than I would even just sitting with a pen and paper and writing these things out myself. There is something that happens when you are having that conversation and building that relationship with someone else that is so powerful and transformative. I think even beyond what you can read in a book or hear on a podcast, not that those things don't have value, but there's a different activity or application, I think that happens from a coaching relationship. I used to tell people when I was, so the first coaching framework that I built was around avoiding burnout. 
That was mm-hmm. something that I experienced when I was working in ministry and something that I wanted to help other people proactively avoid. And I used to tell people, if you want good content around not burning out, don't come to me. There are people out there who are producing yeah. fantastic books, podcasts, TED Talks, whatever it might be, that have so much more knowledge than I do. Go to them. But if you want someone who will help you apply what you're learning in a way that is unique and personal to your situation, that's where I can provide value. Sure, 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 sure. So uh, that's I'm glad you brought that up about the burnout part of it. Why, why do you think there's so many people in the world that really struggle sort of I, I don't know if it's a balance. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to edge away from calling it a work-life balance because I think it's not so much about balance. It's a. It's about avoiding burnout. It's about avoiding going down a path where you just don't want to get out of bed every day. And and I'm not sure it's 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 a balance of work and life because at the end of the day, if there's somebody like me and there's a lot of us out there that literally wake up every day and love what we do. And now we're like the most blessed people on earth. Um, but we still have to, we still have to make sure we don't burn ourselves out. I've experienced burnout myself after working like 80 days in a row, almost getting into a lawsuit, all kinds of stuff like that a couple of years ago. So, but what, like, what is the fundamental thing that you think people are missing in order to then just avoid the idea of getting towards burnout? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question today. So I wrote an article earlier about things that we need to sacrifice, like limiting beliefs that we need to abandon in order to have effective self-care. And one of the things that I reflected on was this idea, it was inspired by something that James Clear teaches about habits, which is that your current situation or your current position in life is a lagging measure of the habits that you've had in place before. And I think that you can say the same thing about self-care. So the position where you are today is a lagging measure of the habits that you've had in place beforehand. What that means is that you, where you are today may be reflective of what you did a month, six weeks, two months ago. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything that you're doing today is right or beneficial. And so I say this to say that you can be in a position where you are burning the candle on both ends, getting up early, staying up late, mm-hmm. neglecting your own health and well being in order to get your work done. And just because you do that for a couple of days and you don't feel any sort of difference in your energy and your mindset, that doesn't mean that it's sustainable. And that doesn't mean that you won't burn out at some point down the road. What it means is that you may be setting yourself up for trouble in a couple of weeks or a couple of months when the results of what you're doing today begin to show themselves. And so that feels a little pie in the sky ambiguous, but I guess what I'm trying to say is don't assume that just because you don't feel negative effects today, that doesn't mean that what you're doing is healthy or sustainable. Do you have any like trigger points that you recommend that people watch out for, you know, where they go, where they get to maybe you, they can sort of see and foretell if they're getting close to burnout, you know, do you have Um... any? Yeah. So I know for me, and I burned out toward the end of my time in ministry in 2019. And the biggest trigger point or reflection for me that I was getting close to burnout, taking time off used to 
be what would refuel me and get me ready to go back. Like I've always loved my work um, for the most part. Mm -hmm. And normally if I was coming out of a busy season or if I was tired or drained, I would just take an extra day or two off. And by the end of that time, I'd be ready to get back at it. How do you like, know when you're ready though? I mean, were you actually, which did you, here's where my mind goes. Maybe your mm -hmm. mind goes the same place. Like if I take, I know, I guess when I know that I need to take some time off, I just, I just feel like there's a voice in my head that says like, I just can't, I'm just like, I, I got it. Like, I just, I just, there's an, there's something in, in me that tells me I have to just stop and go to the mountains for like three days or something like that. But then there's a voice that calls me back too. Is there something like that for you too? Like this inner monologue? Yeah, I think it's just the energy for me and it's hard to explain fully. It's kind it of is, just one yeah. of those senses of like self-awareness that you develop for yourself, but I know that in 2019, when I started to burn out, that energy wasn't coming back in the same way that it did before. Okay. I would take, I think I took five days off at one point. And rather than feeling excitement to get back to my work, I felt this sense of dread. Hmm. And it was really weird because I hadn't experienced anything like that before. So maybe in some ways getting fired was a get out of jail free card because I was able to take time to work on my own health and well-being before getting back to it. But yeah, it's strange when, because we make these habit loops in our brain, right? Mm -hmm. And we learn that certain actions produce a certain outcome. And so when that action all of a sudden doesn't produce the outcome that we've come to expect, it can be pretty alarming. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I think you actually think you actually did a great job of describing it there just by that phrase of like the feeling of dread or the feeling of excitement. And I think that's, for me, that's, that's, I'm right with you. That that's the best way to sort of describe it. Like, oh, at the end, if I'm excited, if I'm sort of tired of actually kind of resting and I'm excited to get back to work, then I know it's time to go back to work in the opposite. Um, tell us about the book. When, what triggered you to write the book? How did you, how, what was the process like for you? Is this your first book? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is my first book. I'm working on the second book right now. And the second book's going to be all about motivation because that's sort of what I've leaned into in recent months. The first book was born out of that conversation that I told you about earlier with my masterminds group. They encouraged me to produce something that I could use sort of as a lead generator for my website. And all along, that was the plan. I was going to offer it for free when people signed up for my email list to be honest with you, I got to the end of the process. I was ready to put the book out there. I didn't take a whole lot of time to research different ways that I could publish it that would be free. Mm -hmm. I just stumbled into Amazon, learned about Kindle Direct Publishing, and was able to get the book entirely ready to go in about an hour and a half. And I put a 99 cent price tag on there. So it's very cheap. And hopefully people get more value than the 99 cents that they put in. But I didn't ultimately use it to, I guess I give the first chapter away for people who sign up for my yeah. email list, which maybe that's a shameless plug. If you want to dip that's your right. toe into the water without buying the full book, go sign up for my email list. But yeah, the, the book was born out of that. And it's basically seven things that I do every day or try to do every day to keep myself disciplined and pursue success. The heart of the book, I'll share one quick thing from the introduction. I talk about the first 18 years of my life where I just felt very out of control and I didn't want to take responsibility for my actions. Mm -hmm. And through this gradual process of adopting different daily habits, not doing anything massive or huge, but just committing to regular repeated action, I began to realize that I have more control over my life than what I thought before. 
And I think it's something that everyone can take and adopt, even if you're not happy with where you are today. It doesn't mean that you can't begin to move down that path to get to where you want to be. Is there anything in the in the first book that you wish you could have uh, put in and you, you wish you could go back and add in? Or, or do you mm -hmm. feel like it's a pretty complete part looking back at so, it? Yeah, it's funny that you ask. I wrote the first draft and I shared it with a friend. And one of the pieces of feedback that he gave me that really struck me, he said, I don't struggle with knowing what to do. I struggle with feeling the motivation to do it. Hmm. And it was that piece yeah. of feedback that gave way to the podcast, which is called Motivation for Regular People, the YouTube channel with the same name, and really influenced a lot of what I'm doing now. And so there was a moment where I thought, I wish that I could go back and put this motivational piece into the book, because I think generally speaking, most people understand if I want to lose weight, this is what I need to do. If I want to start a business, here's what that's going to require. They don't struggle with that. They struggle with the focus or the drive or the energy needed to produce that outcome that they desire. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Uh, that's, I really like that phrase. I'm going to have to rewind that and cut that clip out. I thought that was fantastic. So I'm glad I asked you that question. Uh, if you, there's only one book you could recommend that everybody should read, what book would it be? Mm. I wish you'd give me two or three. If I had to narrow it down, you could do two one, or three, two or three. All right. So I talk about atomic habits by James clear pretty Wonderful. much every day. Yep. Fantastic book. I also really enjoy everything that John Acuff writes. So finish and soundtracks are both at the top of my list. Um, it's hard to say that I like either of those books more um, because they're just both so insightful, actionable. So since you gave me three, I'll say both. I'll say finish and soundtracks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, well, Brady, this has been awesome. And you sound like a very positive coach. So anybody who's listening, I would also encourage you to just go check out BradyRoss.com. See if you can do the, he's going to give you 30 minutes of his time for free. Maybe you'll get some out of it. Maybe you won't. Um, I, I think you're probably going to get something out of it. Brady's a great guy to talk to. We're running up on the half hour here though, Brady. And I've got two questions that I ask everybody. And that is uh, knowing what, first one is knowing what you know now. And if you could go back in time and you first started your coaching business, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? I would encourage myself to spend more time trying to help people for free, knowing that if they got free value, they would lean into some of the paid things that I'm doing and less time just trying to recruit clients from the jump to pay me. I have read a lot of people who are further along than I am, and they all talk about giving away more than what you're comfortable with and trusting that people will lean in after they begin to know, like, and trust you. And so that inspires a lot of what I'm doing right now. I don't make anything for the podcast outside of a little bit of the commission that we get from Podmatch, which is a service that we both use. Um, I don't make any money for the articles that I put on my website, but I'm really just driven, not just by the desire to ha have clients down the road, but also the passion for helping people with things that I'm passionate about. And so that's a long-winded answer, but I would say, don't be afraid to give things away for free. It's going to help you build relationships with people and provide immediate value. There you go. Uh, Brady, thanks again for being on the show today. If people want to touch base with you, if they want to learn more about you, I know we already plugged the website. Where else can they find and follow you? Yeah. So I would encourage everybody. We talked about the podcast as well, but motivation for regular people. It's on iTunes and Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. I've also been doing YouTube videos once a week. That's also called motivation for regular people. 
And then the book, we talked about it a little bit. It's called Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals on Amazon. You can pick that up. You can also get the first chapter for free on my website. Beautiful. Brady, thanks so much. God bless. We really appreciate you. And uh, I hope everybody else appreciates uh, your positivity. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Lance. This was fun.